Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Okay. So uh, I'm in Virginia, and uh, apparently... It's about to dump a whole bunch of snow tomorrow. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. The uh, the forecast in Charlottesville is three to seven inches. Wow. Uh, so that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely uh, not worried about that affecting a potential long car trip or anything like no. that. <laughs> You have, um, you have an SUV. You can just drive over it, and other people too. I, that, in theory, yes. Uh, but having having navigated it through a couple of of Seaville snow seasons before, it's not it's not perfectly reliable in that regard necessarily. <laughs> yeah, um, and and so the, you know just uh, one. Uh, one in the the long list of reasons why I am uh, a Grinch and a bummer who does not properly appreciate snow. Uh, another of which is that uh, I am a person who likes to go for walks, but your boy mm. gets cold, and so uh, snow time is not not so great for that. Well, and not to mention, uh, and and I don't know if it's just an American phenomenon, but when it snows, the things that are, are plowed over are usually sidewalks. So I feel like when there is snow is the most dangerous time to walk because all of a sudden you have these slush puddles and this black ice. And here, we you know, we have these, these weather reports and people go stand out in the cold and they're like, oh, this is what the road's like. And they focus on the roads. And, um, you know, actually today, that's that's one thing we we're going to get into is is uh, we all read an article about how they do it very differently in, in Japan. And um, I, I found it illuminating, illuminating is actually a word, um, but also I got really sad reading it. Yeah. Um, to, to be clear, we didn't read an article about uh, different nations approaches to uh, to, you know, winter weather management. Uh, that's but we do have an ex- expert here about winter weather management. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point. Uh, but but this this is not the podcast for that. Uh, this is this is perhaps a tad more philosophical. So so Pierce, yeah, a- as our resident philosopher slash idea bringer, you maybe want to uh, to fill the the crowd in on on yeah. what it is that you had us read about. And and let me um, give oh, well let me give credit where credit is due. So. We read a Medium uh, article from, uh, I think it's Kokomura, um, which is, uh, it, it's it's an article entitled How Japanese People Stay Fit for Life Without Ever Visiting a Gym. And um, the the author who, I don't really want to mispronounce their name, but we'll, we'll share a link in it. But yes. the author gets into <laughs> it, where this starts um, – is they talk about a study that was recently done in Japan about people exercising. And in America, and I think we've talked about here before, um, there's an interest in, oh, I'm a runner or I'm a weightlifter or I do 
the the indoor cycling type thing or, or there's there's like a workout you do and what they found with these individuals in japan is that they're kind of ashamed if they admit to working out and if you are someone who is going to the gym and working out it's like this ostentatious thing that, that you want to keep keep quiet but they found that people are generally in very good health and very fit and so it leads to the why. And what the author gets into is that their cities and where they live are designed so that you are not driving, you are walking everywhere. And um, that is maybe not the experience of everyone or even a majority or uh, it's really a small slice of people in America that have that experience of walking most places. Yes. And, and I think... You know, because we've already already brought up the the concept of something being sort of like an American approach. I mean, I don't. The thing I took from from that article is perhaps not so much that the Japanese and Americans have a a wildly different uh, approach toward the need for some sort of physical activity in order to to keep the the body healthy, the mind healthy, whatever. Uh, it's just, as it so often is, that we have a very different attitude towards ostentatiousness. Yeah, um, and, and... You know, we, using a very broad blanket generalization about all Americans, a thing that, you know, never never goes haywire, uh, maybe tend more often to look at ostentatiousness and go, yes, that is a good thing, and not this is maybe something to be mildly ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, you said that you, yeah. cause you said the thing about uh, Japanese people that responded to this survey suggested that admitting to like, to working out uh, is something that, that is, you know, shameful or embarrassing and no, uh, no person. I, I can't imagine a single person in America who would react that way. It's it, it's it's very it's very different um, it, it, there. And I think you hit on a point. It's like a point of pride, whereas there it is not something to be proud of. But I think to the moving into the other part of of walkability and everything and how that's yes. it really gets into convenience. There are different views on convenience, and I think Max and Kevin, you you are like the perfect example because you live in the same metro area and as the crow flies or pick your bird um you all live pretty close to one another but i think you have very different experiences which is you know uh mac even going to the grocery store i feel like you both have different ways that you approach that yeah i I think well i i noticed from that article it sounded really neat that they they have a big focus in um in Japanese cities on just like walking paths and focused on, you know, the average commuter walking instead of driving, biking, or taking public transit. Um, to your, to your point, I'm fortunate enough to live in a very walkable part of a very walkable city. I live in downtown Mm -hmm. Boston. So I, if I were commuting to work and for the past year and a half to two years, more than that, uh, that I've been commuting to a job. I was for a while biking and then walking, and now I walk everywhere, including grocery store, any any restaurant, anywhere I go. I'm basically walking. Um, 
But even then, even in a super walkable city, there's still, like, not necessarily dedicated... There's some dedicated walking paths and things, but mm-hmm. I feel like there could be a lot more. Yeah. So, so you... I mean, I think yours is... You... It's accessible. A lot of things are accessible to you that you can walk to, but it is not, you know, it is not maybe perfect, uh, you know, in what you what was talked about in the article. It maybe is closer to a utopic idea. Now, Kevin, you live what is honestly a few miles away, and I think your experience is one that that is different, especially in an area that I think is rapidly changing. But you know, the things that haven't changed yet are, are some of these. I think. Yeah, so I I live out, outside of Boston, and um, I actually still do a, a backward commute. Kind of since I've started working, I've always had backwards commutes because the places where I work are not in an urban area, and there's no there's not really a way that I could like walk to work. Um, and I think that's something that I will a- appreciate later in life when I want to move out to those areas. But right now, I kind of like this in between spot where. Um, I can get to work, but also can get to the fun stuff. But I think with that, I kind of, my life is kind of built around having a car. So like there is a, a local grocery store, um, that's kind of small and niche, um, or I can walk a bit farther to like an actual grocery store or to like the beer store. But because my, like, because I have a car with a dedicated parking lot, um, and my life's kind of built around that. I don't really go to those places and I drive to the the places that I like like shopping more and I have a dog which you know forces me to walk but mm-hmm. like ra- rather than rather than taking my dog like walking my dog to the grocery store and like tying him outside while I go into the grocery store and get my stuff then I kind of just walk the dog and then I drive to the grocery store. Yeah, and in Max, I saw you respond to Kevin's mention of paving paradise and putting up a parking lot. Um, do you want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Well, there's two two things. One, I be- my grocery store allows dogs, so I'm I'm excited to take an untrained dog into <laughs> my grocery store. We even told the security guard. There's no like, way that there's no way that's legal. That can't. There's yeah, can't oh, be. there's so many dogs in the store all the time, and when the one time we actually um we were watching Kevin's dog and. And walked him over there, and then uh, Bridget waited outside with with the dog while I went in to get grab a couple things. And the security guard outside was like, "You can bring him in. No one's gonna say anything." <laughs> That's okay, not okay, how rules on. work. Hang on, we we, no, they, we we have to unpack this because there is a very wide gulf between it is allowed to bring dogs into the grocery store and. You can bring him in. No one's going to say anything. It was condoned well, by one really individual. Like a lot of people bring their dogs into the store, and clearly they're not going to stop anyone. Functionally, so like it's kind of no, allowed. Functionally speaking, there is, <laughs> because in theory, if there was a policy that allowed dogs in, that was an active choice as opposed to someone just giving up. Fair. Well, we didn't bring him in because we weren't sure how he would handle the... Um, the level of stimulation for a dog in a <laughs> store full of food. But anyway, I would imagine poorly, and that's not a that is not a swipe at yeah. your dog, Kevin. That's a swipe at dogs no. in grocery stores. I'm impressed that's an at the dogs that handle it well in there. But yes, anyway, I I was reacting more to Kevin's mention of having a dedicated parking spot because yes. as uh, Bridget and I have considered moving to other places and maybe smaller cities, that is something that we 
we actually really want. But it is ironic because I think if you if you have a dedicated parking spot, you are so much more likely to take your car places. And mm-hmm. we have a car in the city now. We could drive. Well, our grocery store doesn't have even a parking spot either, so that would be a nightmare to go there. But we could go further outside. We could go to dedicated stores, and basically, moving the car becomes a, a big pain because looking for a parking spot can take a really long time. And I think that's I think that's a huge thing. Is like not only the expectation that Americans would have a vehicle, have a car, at least one, but also having like places to park them. It's just like, I mean, it goes back to the norm. Like, what is the norm of, of, of transit? And it, yeah. that's an important piece in having a car is a spot or garage. And so you get to the point where you you realize, in a lot of ways, uh, modern American society is not designed around people. It's designed around <laughs> cars. That's yeah. kind of a problem, don't you think? Especially, you know, especially when uh, so much of the demand for kind of uh, desirable or so much of the supply of desirable modern work is clustered in these big cities. And you really need to be able to, you know, to pull off uh, good population density in order for that to happen. Like... If you're expecting 80% of those people to have cars, you are severely hamstringing yourself in the ability mm-hmm. to actually to to make that happen. You know, there's a uh, really well done uh, New York Times feature, Pierce, that you sent us a few months ago, uh, mm-hmm. or it may have been two years ago for all I know. It feels like the last... It, I mean, it has to have been this year, right? It has to have been in response to the pandemic. Uh, yes. But it feels yeah, like yeah. that was five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. That imagines New York City. I mean, you, when you think about New York City, the picture that pops into your head is almost certainly one that simultaneously involves, like, bumper-to-bumper traffic, but it's also people, like, walking and taking the subway and that sort of stuff. But this feature imagined... A New York City that was kind of radically redesigned around a super reduced demand for cars and just thinking about what to do with all of these you know four lane streets uh, and, and and some of the changes you could make that I think in a lot of ways would really improve people's lives uh, but in ways that require a reimagining of what your life is about and that's a big scary thing for a lot of people i think so the the new york example is interesting and and it it makes me think of this which is we read this article and um you know these cities these uh the infrastructure in japan is such as is people are are there's a way to get where they're going Mm -hmm. uh, efficiently conveniently and and fast enough that is different i think than the new york example which is in America, we, we have a lot of space, but also we just want to get places as fast as we can. So you mentioned the bumper bumper traffic and then also their their transit system, which is notoriously has has a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beloved, but also has a lot of problems. And then you have all these people walking. They are trying to get places as fast as they can. But I think the other thing is because we have all this space and you want to get a place as fast as you can, being built around cars comes from like, okay, Kevin can work 
40 miles out because that is convenient in some way for for a company, be it uh, this is a better space or it's cheaper or or it's close to to something. It's close to, I I don't know, you're... It's close to whatever point of of interest that you need. Um, but it ends up we have this space, so why not use it? And when you spread out so that you're no longer limited to a horse and buggy or just your feet or a streetcar and you can drive this, this individual unit of, of transit, you can get places very quickly and that's how you get the 40 miles as fast as you can so new york is is both a really good example for comparing to other places but also a terrible american example because it is one of the few truly dense places that we have i live in atlanta it is so not dense yeah uh, but the there's another part of that too which is also that this expansion and and the you know the suburban you know, suburbanization and exurbanization is also about where land is cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, so there's been this big rush, both, I mean, I think both to expand, uh, to expand like, you know, residential development out in those areas, but also, you know, like in Kevin's example, to put, commercial stuff out in those areas too because you know it's cheaper to to make that happen than to find you know commercial real estate in boston i mean even i mean shit dc even though dc has uh a you know a galling abundance i guess i'm thinking more of arlington than dc proper but there's a galling amount of empty commercial real estate there is certainly supply but it's just it's so expensive the rents are too damn high and so nobody is filling those businesses. Instead, you wind up building out in, you know, Manassas or Centerville where you can, you know, build a, I don't know, what's a big building, a million square feet for like a nickel. Yep. Uh, and, and so, so like fast and cheap are like the two code words pretty much. You've unlocked, you know, you've unlocked the door to the American speakeasy if you say fast and cheap. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting too, and and uh, uh, you know, Max, maybe you see it some, but there was a Slate article today that I was reading about how in DC is a good example. They have the city center area that there was discussion ten years ago or so, maybe even twenty years ago, um, where they were figuring out how to develop it. This is very close to like downtown, which used to be nothing, but it was basically parking lot. So we're like, we're going to build this up. We're going to have it be mixed use. This this mixed use new urbanism idea. It's so hot right now, back in the day. And what happened is all these these city centers built these places that had luxury apartments and then like Chanel stores and Ferragamo (laughs) stores in the basement. So it's like the idea was like some Jane Jacobs shit where it's like, oh, you know, we have this, the, the shifts in, in er the whole day people are going to work. They're working at their small businesses and then going back above to, to their, their apartments and whatever, but it didn't work out because it was all luxury. And so right now some rent prices on those are going down while a lot of people can't pay their rent because it's just, no one wants to move into these really expensive places right now because they need grocery stores, not, you know, Chanel handbag places in the bottom. I mean, Max, is this is this a phenomenon in Boston, too, which has a lot of older buildings and, and I don't think has done the same type of revamping as a city like D.C.? Um, 
Yeah, no, that's absolutely the case. Obviously not in a lot of neighborhoods, but specifically in parts of downtown and especially the uh, seaport neighborhood. Oh, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I- exactly what you're... What you just described could could just be someone talking about the seaport part of Boston. Um, mm-hmm. It was an industrial nothingness 15 or so years ago, and now a studio apartment there costs 4200 bucks a month, and you live above, oh, like, God. a Warby Parker and an L.L. Bean and a <laughs> Filson store. Need my blue light, you guys. I mean, so that – in some ways we've been talking about this I- ideal in, in – Kevin, let me preface this question for you. So, so I am kind of home ownership curious right now, and and one thing I'm I am, I am you, trying wait, to do. So you're, you're considering purchasing a property? Yeah, yeah like buying one. So, you, so you're yeah. so you're buy curious, huh? <laughs> I did <Yeah>. just <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, having having uh, recently rewatched the first three seasons of Arrested yes. Development, I, that is a wonderful reference. Oh, God, that show uh, could never get made new today. Oh no! <laughs> so um, I'm I'm also thinking of of the uh, I think it's the the last of the Mohicans uh, South Park episode, but um, and in. <laughs> In any case, so so Kevin, I am I am uh, what Max said, um, but but one thing I I am saying to myself is like right now where I live, I can drive places, so I am driving to places so that I can walk, and I feel like that's really silly because I should just live somewhere where I can walk because that's something I value. But I know you are much more of the suburban mindset, so this. This maybe utopic idea that we read about, um, and, and being able to conveniently walk places is—is is that something that like you are are not as persuaded by? Yeah, well, for me, it's I. There are certain places I want to work, and I'm gonna like make my life work around that, rather than like find a job that allows me to to do that so i i might just start from a very fundamental different mm. spot additionally yeah. like if you want to walk somewhere you also have to find somewhere that like your partner wants to walk if you are in you know in a relationship and um so and then also just thinking longer term you know if you're thinking about having a family or right now having a dog would be much better if i had a backyard and i didn't have to um or you know it's still easy to get exercise you can still walk around like i don't mm-hmm. I guess I don't see what you lose by, um, like, yeah, I don't want to drive any, everywhere um, in terms of, like, I don't like polluting the environment, but, like, I guess I would like to live close to work, but it doesn't need to be, so, I don't need to be able to walk to the grocery store. It's Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not losing something, per se, unless you, you know, unless that, unless that is something that you would value, unless you value, uh like unless you value being close enough to to walk to work or to walk to whatever things you want to do in your life highly enough for them to actually influence your choice um I, but that that's all a question of your you know it's a question of your personal priorities it's a question of what is important to you and and what you order your life around and ordering your life around work is not a a bad thing it's not a wrong thing it is i think in a lot of ways it is one of those very american things that we've 
we've discussed a couple times. But like, you spend a lot of your time there. That's a perfectly reasonable way to approach life. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm. I guess I may tend to think that it would be uh, better in some ways if large swaths of people decided tomorrow to value that less highly in their calculus. But I I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, and yeah, I think with, I, with me it's okay. also like if I were if I were a, a software developer and I had my pick of the pick of the litter, then I would maybe have to consider this option more. But what I have chosen everywhere that I've looked, the places are all outside of the cities. So right. like I I don't even really have the option. Sure. You you have a very speci- you have a very specific set of skills. Um, <laughs> you know, I, and and so that that is another I guess that is sort of another fascinating thing about that is like where you know, not just geographically in terms of where on the map certain industries cluster, but like even in what kinds of uh in what kinds of places because I know that you know, um to to keep using the DC area as an example, just because I I drove I drove from DC to Richmond yesterday, so I I drove through this whole expansion of you know as uh, as you get further out, uh, you know you get more of the defense contractory type stuff. Like you had you know you head down by Quantico, and you're like, this is where military folks and FBI types like they don't live in Georgetown I, I was talking to <laughs> yesterday I, I had the thought as I was driving that the most unrealistic thing about the show Criminal Minds is not anything about psychopathic killers it's that like three core members of the team live in DC when they have a job <laughs> where they could plausibly be called at any moment to drop everything and hustle their ass to Quantico Virginia Presumably to then go back to Andrews Air Force Base. <laughs> These people who live in an apartment in Georgetown are out of their fucking minds. They are criminal minds. Yeah. I, I I think also, you know, one one thing I'm thinking about too, and, and Kevin, you were just talking about like the places that you work in. There has been a hard reset this year. I don't know if you all are aware, but when Kevin talked about his reverse commute earlier, he was not talking about like he sleeps in his he his desk in chair his and, works from, <laughs> and, work, and works and works from works from his bed. Um, uh, like there, I think that there's been a hard reset now, and people are getting more acclimated to where they live and limits of where they live because. You know, if you are fortunate enough to have one of these jobs, you know, Matt Iglesias, um, you, you are you are working uh, from home right now, um, and, and so I think that there has been a lot of interest in like, what can I do in my city? You know, Max, your point: Are there walking paths available? I need to go to the grocery store. Um, maybe I can't do delivery or something like that, or maybe I'm limited to delivery. Like really engaging with with what it is um there and and it it upends something kevin you talked about and we we talked about this recently too with you know (laughs) loving your job um is is i think there is a mentality of of work dictating where you live as opposed to living where where you where you want to and and i think that 
I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely right now have thought more critically than I ever have about like where where I am living because it is also where I'm working. Um, and so really redoing the value set there. There's also something to be said. I mean, I, I, just because I'm, I'm now I'm now like thinking a little more about, you know, my my last move. I went from Charlottesville, a small place where things were largely packed together, and it was very easy for me to walk both to work and not to, like, bigger grocery stores, but to more or less anything that I did in most aspects of my life. And I, I came, I you know, I went up to D.C. for grad school, and I, in, in choosing whether to live in College Park which would be close to school, my work in that case, or to more stuff that I wanted to do kind of like in my day-to-day life, I I think I essentially made the Kevin choice and, and lived closer to... Or, or I... Maybe, maybe this isn't the Kevin choice. I lived closer to life because... That's what I've been doing. Yeah. yeah because like yeah, you have to because on some level you got to go to the work anyway it, obviously in a non-pandemic situation but like you got to go to the work anyway and so on the time where you don't have to do that where you don't have that obligation you know you don't really get a whole lot of benefit out of being walking distance to your office on Saturday yeah. So yeah, I mean, and that's I, a choice I, that I changes a, throughout we, life. Like sure, I'm of doing, course. I've been exactly. doing that in my twenties, but I have course. no intention of doing that for much longer. Of course. And, and let me tell you, you, you turn that corner, and all of a sudden you're like, I need a backyard, and I don't want to see a, another one of the those people, you know, for 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 at least at least a foot or two. <laughs> it is funny how that goes, huh? Yeah, I mean, Kevin, I'm I'm glad you said that because that was like kind of last thing that I was thinking is like, it is very much a young person's view to say like, I want to engage with the city, I want to take chances on new restaurants and uh, you know new people and new experiences, but ultimately you get to a point where I think you want to protect what you have, and if you are able to to uh, own a home. Uh, if you are able to have your own backyard, if you are able to have your own grill, um, you value those things such like, how can I do those in peace? And I, I think that maybe those are things that aren't walkable. And, and maybe if, if we lived in Japan or maybe a European city, uh, we would think very differently about that after six months or something. But um, I, I have to be mindful of like those things change as you have, honestly, other Probably other people in your life that you are responsible for and, and things that you value. Or maybe all or maybe all of those things are achievable in a in a certain sense. Like, you know, going back to this going back to this New York Times thing about reimagining New York, like they they kind of close the piece by saying this maybe isn't I think they close the piece by saying this maybe <laughs> isn't so applicable to everywhere else. But I mm-hmm. think I think it actually could or a version of it, a reimagining of, you know, kind of how American society and American life is structured while, uh, you know, while that's not going to happen anytime soon because you don't necessarily just up and rethink a whole country's way of life. 
But like, you could, you could envision with all of this space that we have, you really could uh, imagine, kind of o- over the course of a few generations, shifting things in such a way that we lessened our reliance on big cities and and kind of uh, applied essentially the societal version of audio compression where you raise the lows and you drop the highs a little bit and you have more more kind of like mid-sized city type places where uh, where some of these things where all of these things are more achievable where it, it is possible you know to to live close to where you work and close to where you get groceries and like it it's not it's not totally inconceivable i think that's all i'm trying to say like it's yeah, not lots, it really of, lots of like charlottesville's right yeah, yeah or or slightly slightly bigger than that maybe uh because charlottesville is really small uh <laughs> but uh, although now I'm, I'm realizing that i'm to a lot of people i've said something completely ludicrous um, yeah. Who who would have guessed? But you know, who would have guessed that this would come back around t- in the end to us four uh, white, well-educated yuppies, either at or on the cusp of thirty, <laughs> realizing that we maybe <laughs> have too narrow a point of view to effectively talk about something like this. Well, uh, well, just to just to <laughs> drive it home, what I was what, what I was going to say before you you turned the mirror on us and got got <laughs> met a little bit is that what you're suggesting, Sean, to have everything be kind of Richmond size but with good transit potentially, is sure. that we would do things in the interest of the general will at the at the cost of liberty. And let me tell Shit, you, good with right now you're where right. it is where it is suggested that people I don't know wear some face covering so they don't pass around the plague. Oh, uh, God. Some people are very loudly against the general will because nothing is more individual than driving your car and blasting whatever music you want with the windows down. Um, and that's that's kind of what we're up against. Great. And, like, that is America. Now, now you've closed out by upsetting our right-wing listener base. Thanks, man. Yeah. I think well, in the I future we'll add- all just live inside Walmarts, and then we can walk to everything <laughs> in the Walmart. Do you realize uh, that future is way more likely than the one I talked about? Yeah, well, where I was going to go is that I think really the whole idea that Japanese people are fit enough um, by walking, it's probably yeah. just because they eat um, better than we do and drink less, so... That's probably. Oh, they, yeah, I have. They, they, I have also been waiting two weeks to make that point. They're just like, yeah. you know, maybe there's not a rampant obesity epidemic in Japan. There, there, there is not. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. With that said, uh, happy holidays. Uh, I'm gonna be making duck and cookies soon, and tamales. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect place to close out and move on to Pierce's sorry. So, uh, what are you apologizing for today? Um, so, uh, in the spirit of the holidays, uh, I, I watched a movie recently that I had never watched before and I had never watched it because, uh, I thought I would not enjoy it because of how much other people liked the movie and thought it was going to be not my speed. And I feel like said negative things about said movie, which is a holiday movie. And I'm here to tell you that I was wrong and I should have watched Love Actually a very long time ago <laughs> because let me tell you, it is not what I expected 
and I thought was like it just uh, maybe in the future we ha- next next year we ha- we have a podcast about about this but I was just delighted by by like I would love to see a, a behind behind the music of how this movie was written because it really feels like six different movies that weren't fully baked ideas and they're like if we put these all together it'll be very funny and enjoyable and let me tell you it was um so i'm sorry for like you know out of not experiencing it saying that the movie was no good because it was actually a really good good movie um and i would recommend it because it's not overly Christmassy and it's not overly schlocky or anything. It's just really fun. So go watch Love Actually and don't listen to me. And because it's the holiday season and you want to be happy, uh, don't talk to me about Love Actually because I think that while it is an entertaining movie, uh, it has some shockingly problematic aspects. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, look, I, lots of movies have them, uh, but but there, there are most some Christmas are, movies have them. Most Christmas movies, uh, most romantic comedies. So I, it, it's, it is certainly possible that, that love actually doesn't have any more than the baseline that you would expect from a Christmas romantic comedy. But I, I think, I think you will enjoy your holidays better. If you tell me to go bugger off and watch love actually, instead of talking to me about it. So I, I would, I would highly recommend that. Uh, and segueing into the big idea from pop culture, uh, since we uh, since we have been talking about uh, the Japanese approach to life, uh, I, I would also recommend uh, that you hop to the show notes and, and check out the link that uh, we posted from uh, what has to be at this point Pierce's favorite website, Kotki.org. Uh, mm-hmm. which is that uh, the youngest ever Lego certified professional, and I don't know what that means, but it sounds very official, uh, has created a Lego version of the iconic uh, Great Wave print. And it is so goddamn cool. Uh, it uh, the, the post says that it uh, is composed of 50,000 pieces and took 400 hours to build. Uh, it is a three-dimensional replica that not only pays homage to the original, but also captures the dynamics of crashing waves. The the crafter, the certified professional, says he read several academic papers on giant wave formations and watched hours of YouTube video of waves to prepare on top of the 400 hours of actual building. So... Uh, that's it's just it's just a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it's it's yeah. a wonderful thing. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful life, really. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm that not going to watch sorry. that, that movie between but that was, by next that was week. A terrible so. thing. Um, not going to do that. So one. check that out. Uh, check out Love Actually if you want a, an entertaining movie. It really I for for my uh, for all of my grumpiness about it. It actually is. Uh, a fun movie to watch at this time of year. So, uh, if you are looking for, if you're looking for a Christmas film, it's it's a good one. Uh, and uh, yeah, that that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. Uh, subscribe to the feed on your podcast app of choice. 
If you do that, please leave a rating, review, comment sort of thing. Or just tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.